0: Back to the Mullen Center here on the campus of UMass in Amherst, Massachusetts. The score at the end of one period, UMass leads Merrimack by the score of two to nothing. I'm Mike Macknick with John Leahy. This first intermission is brought to you by Fuddruckers, an official partner of Merrimack Athletics. Make sure that you stop in at Fud Rockers for a burger or delicious salad before or after the next Warrior game, located just down the street from Merrimack at 550 Turnpike Street. They also have locations in Reading and Salem, New Hampshire. Well, special treat this uh, first intermission here. Uh, really honored to be able to bring our next guest on here. It's Brock Hines. He is the long-time color voice of the UMass Minutemen and uh, past recipient of the Hockey's Joe Concanon Award, uh, Hockey's Media Award, and uh also alongside down here, John Leahy, a future winner of the Cannon Award. So, Absolutely. Great to have all three of us here. A chance to talk some hockey here at the end of the first period. And uh, Brock, you're taking that first period. Look looked to me like UMass really carried the play early on, got that power play goal, had all the momentum, then the back-to-back penalties, gave Merrimack an opportunity on the power play where they got some of their best chances. Matt Murray was more than equal to the task, and maybe that's the difference right there because then well, they had the late goal and the goal by Boeing to make it 2 nothing, and now have the momentum back heading into the second.
1: Well, certainly, Mike, think about that save that Matt Murray made there at the very end as uh, he bailed out his freshman. Farmer uh, turned the puck right over. This easily, guys, could be a 2-1 to hockey game. And I, I think back to that. Uh, two hockey games. First five, six minutes, the puck never left uh, the, the UMass and Then once we got the 5-3, on and even maybe a little before that, then Matt Murray got a workout down at that end. And uh, Taylor, two, uh, you know, cities really basically. The shot's thirteen ten, you know, after started off five nothing, the Warriors get 13 of the next 18 shots on goal. Give us your take
0: on this UMass team. You know, we talked with Greg Carho before the game, talking about the fact you know this looks like as good a team as there is in hockey, East, if not in the nation. And certainly uh, went out to Ohio State last week in a split with the number one team in the country. Probably you know could have won both the games. Uh, where's the ceiling for this UMass team?
1: It's higher than I thought it would be, guys. Even. Even a couple of months ago, and I don't want to get too excited because we're only, <laughs> it's, you know, it's still baseball season, so I, you know, I don't want to get out of context there, guys, but uh, based on what I've seen, which hasn't been a while. This UMass team can finish in the top four in this league. I mean, I saw, and and there's a lot of teams that can, too. I saw what uh, your team did to Boston University. That was not a fluke. Something's going on down on Comm Ave. Both Boston teams, Boston College and and Boston University, guys. uh, There's something up there, and... Even Scott Boras told me in the pregame interview, and I don't think he's one to just, uh, you know, do coach speak. He says, "I'm shocked where the minimum were picked, and right now I will be shocked if they don't finish in the top uh, third of the league." And I'm really liable to believe him unless there's some other teams that I don't know about. I know Vermont went out and shocked Michigan early on, so maybe the Catamounts have something. I don't want to predict because it's, we don't get to see all the teams early. It's not like some of the other sports, so we're kind of left guessing, but um, I'm, I'm very bullish on this team right now. Well, Brock, you had a chance to go out to Ohio State. They were the number one ranked uh, team in the country. You beat them 6-3. I've never been out there for hockey. We know the football culture out there. What, what was the hockey experience like? It was very interesting. It's a great question, John, too, because uh, one of the things we talked about with different people around, Mike, at the uh, arena, the hotel, And everything was, you know, I I tried to get a feel, like, where were they? Where is Ohio in the college hockey map? And just in hockey in general, first of all, the Blue Jackets have done a tremendous amount for that city. Uh, If if the Blue Jackets, Lord forbid, ever picked up and left for Cleveland or somewhere else, uh, that city would be like Hartford, a little bigger than Hartford population-wise. But uh, they depend, excuse me, they depend so much on that team i um, talking to the people. The youth hockey has exploded. We're in the second generation. I didn't realize how long the Blue Jackets have been there. I'm thinking it's only five, ten years, but it's been a lot longer than that. So now you're working your way down where a lot of youth hockey players, a lot of youths, want to play. You know, youth hockey. And now that generation is coming up and talking uh, to the Ohio State people, let's see, we're starting to look more and more at homegrown talent. And that's just good, as you guys know, for youth hockey, it's good for college hockey, we good just for the game of hockey in general. So it's just good because um, all the chatter was when we were out there, Philadelphia was there Thursday night, Saturday night, we grew up against the Blackhawks, and uh, the buzz was about about Ohio State football that Saturday night, but uh, number two in the nation. But I was surprised.
0: Speaking of which, I mean, I'm going to put a plug in here for uh, the NHL's Learn to Play program. I really think that's had a lot to do with it. And, you know, certainly we've seen an awful lot of it in Boston. I mean, I mentioned it because my two girls played in it and it just finished up four weeks of doing that. Uh, micro ice were uh, coached by uh, Dave Green, former Merrimack assistant coach and player as well. Uh, some of the Merrimack players helped out there. Rick Middleton showed up. Uh, Andrew Alberts, you know, past Bruin, current Bruin, and so on. But I can see it all itself being in a place like Columbus. Same kind of thing. I mean, $100, you get to get in full set of equipment, and your kid gets four lessons, and from there, you know, where do you want to go? But a place like Columbus, a great opportunity for kids to get introduced. I'm S- oh, sorry, uh, same thing elsewhere, everywhere around the country. It's a, it's a great thing that the NHL is doing.
1: Uh, there's no question about it Mike I I agree with you wholeheartedly and again this just bodes well for expanding the college hockey footprint in the state of Ohio well they got Miami of Ohio already out there and of course Ohio State but just in the Midwest in general because that's where all the buzz as you know uh, as far as where else do you go and uh I know Illinois looks poised to come in maybe to the Big Ten. Um, You wouldn't be surprised to see Northwestern
0: fall or some of those other Big Ten schools.
1: No question. You add those two there, and then all of a sudden we can, I mean, we could obviously, three of us could talk for three hours about this, but they're already, you know, starting to push people out there to uh, get some help with Arizona State out there and get that Pac-12 or whatever they want to call the Pac out there. And uh, I like, like where college hockey's going.
0: Well, you know what else I think you might see? You might see some of those Western Atlantic hockey schools, some of the Eastern WCHA schools, maybe reform the old CCHA. I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen in the near future.
1: Yeah, no question. And you can uh, certainly realign things to make it more favorable for all the teams and get it geographically more favorable. Because you said you you have Atlantic teams, one in Colorado Springs, one here in Springfield, Massachusetts, for instance. It doesn't quite make geographical sense. I'd love if college hockey could work together and just blow everything up and make it the the NHL, which is truly a geographical footprint, and not even the NFL can say that. Although I know why Dallas is in the NFC East, of a rival with the Giants, but um, that would be something to, to look forward to. All right, Brock, uh, you and I have done some baseball games together tonight's game three of the World Series. Rick Porcello on the hill. What's your take? Do they go up three, or does LA get back in? A way? Uh, put me on the spot. I, I'm, in, I'm in hockey mode. I, I'm thinking that the Dodgers are going to probably come back and volley back here in Game 3. And then if I can just get to see how Game 3 actually pans out, then I can let you know if the Red Sox can then go back and go runner-runner and do what they did to Houston and go get Games 4 and 5 and win it in 5. But, oh, boy, you know, the heart sometimes is a little too closer to the brain. But, uh, you know, We'll see. The Red Sox, you don't want to get in the way of a freight retain right now. This team, you both, though, has been really, they've been road warriors, and that's the important thing. Uh, A lot like your spinners, John, uh, road warriors.
0: Uh, Brock, before we let you go here, what is this, 25th uh, anniversary? Was it 25 years ago the the program started back up at UMass here? Interested to get your take on 25 years of UMass hockey history and what's happened over that time.
1: Starting my 26th in the program's 26th year, I'm going to sort of bypass your question for a moment and just say that, and we've had some good coaches here. I love Joe Mallon, uh, Tuke Cahoon, I consider him a tremendous friend, um, John Micheletto. You know, I know he was pushed out of here. Not the most popular coach, but I consider John Micheletto a friend as well. But uh, it's not, this isn't about being friends. But um, I have to just—I want to just sort of put a—you know—a little precursor on that and say that this season, I truly believe and this is my first time in 26 years, guys, where I think the program—everybody gets it—and they are not settling. They mean the program. They were mad when they left Columbus. I was upset in the post-game show because that was a point where they should have had three or, three or maybe four points. And Greg Carville takes the uh, hook for it. He said, I left the freshman on the ice, when I shouldn't have had him late in the game. We should have got out of there with at least three points and not four. Mess this now again, not coach me. He really believes it. And with one of the top players in the nation playing for you, with... Uh, uh, you know, Kale McCart and some other guys that are very close to that. Mario Farrell gets lost in this whole thing, um, as does uh, guys, well, even like John Leonard, who's uh, very deserving of his getting drafted by the Sharks organization. This is the team that I think can get the new home ice spot now that we've changed playoffs. I think four or five is very possible.
0: Well, it should be an awful lot of fun to watch. Brock, thanks for joining us. It's uh, always great to see you. We appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the rest of the call, and we'll see you again tomorrow night.
1: Look forward to it, Mike. Thank you, and uh, thank you.
0: That's Brock Hines, the color voice of UMass Hockey, with the score at the end of one period. Merrimack trailing UMass by the score of 2 to nothing. We will be back with more right after this. This is Warrior Hockey.